perfect, perfect to come out of a moment of prayer and to launch our new series on the Psalms and learning to pray. You guys ready to learn to pray? Because that's what we're going to be doing this summer, and that's what the Psalms are for. Let me start with a story. Um, I was in college, and I had this understanding that if I did well on this, I was in this class, it was the molecular basis of disease. And um, it's not the kind of class that you can just soak up in a day and you got it all figured out. It takes time. Well, I had gotten these two midterms under my belt, and I had this understanding that if you do well in the midterms, you can take the average of the midterm and not take the final. Now, that was motivating. <laughs> so I did pretty well in the midterms. I'm like, I'm done. So as soon as that last midterm was over, <laughs> that class was out of my mind. It was just gone. And then we're like week of the finals, and I'm telling my buddy, oh, bro, I'm so, I feel so sorry for you. I don't even have to take the final. And he's like, what are you talking about? I go, no, bro, dude, you know, I, got, I did good on my midterms. And he's like, excuse me? And as I explained it to him, he's like, you got it wrong. That's not right. And I'm like, no, 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 dude. No, 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 no. And I could just feel like, you know, in these moments when you start panicking, you're like, the rug is being pulled out from beneath you and you're clinging to the rug. <laughs> I'm not going to let go of the rug. And, but it was true. He was right. Uh, I had to take that final. It was days away. And the, the cold chill of panic set in and I remember reali just realizing there's no way I can consume all that content. It's like at least a month and a half worth of content, detailed breakdowns of molecular processes and the way they affect us. And I was like, no, there's no way. There's no way I can get it. And I was sitting on this little bench on campus, and I felt so alone. The, the, the moment just felt so large, looming over me. And as I sat there, I was like, man, God, I just need you so bad right now. I need you to not feel invisible and far away right now. I need you to feel real and close. And uh, I just opened my Bible because I had it with me, and I just opened. If you open your Bible toward the middle of it, just try it. Right through the middle, it's going to take you to the Psalms. And I just opened it up. It landed at Psalm 25. And I just read verse 3, and it said, those who put their trust in the Lord will not be put to shame. I, I don't know how to explain what happened in this moment. It was so powerful. It was like nothing changed in my circumstance, but it just felt like an arm was reaching out and grabbing a hold of me by the heartstrings and pulling me out of those waters that I felt like I was drowning in. Can you relate to a moment like that when you just need God to reach down and pull you out? That's what it felt like. And it was this promise, yeah, you blew it, but if you trust me, you're not going to look stupid. I'm like, oh man, God, I, I blew it. I deserve this. I, 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 there's no way I can get this material absorbed in time. Trust me. And I won't make you look foolish. You will not look dumb. And it just calmed me. It just anchored me. I felt firm ground beneath my feet again. My mind wasn't spinning. I just felt like things had started to calm down and settle. And I felt peace, confidence growing. That is the power of God's Word. And this morning we're going to learn about the power of God's Word to unlock our hearts to God in every situation of our life. So no matter what we're going through, no matter what headlock life has got us in in a moment, we're going to learn the moves to get out because this is about spiritual 
jujitsu. That should have been the title of our series. Listen to this quote by Tim Keller. Every situation in life is represented in the book of Psalms. Every possible grip, hold, or arm bar that life is going to throw at you, the book of Psalms is going to show you how to get out of that move. The Psalms anticipate and train you for every possible spiritual, emotional, social condition how to talk to God about it, and how to get from God the help you need. Could you use some of that in your life? Because let's be honest, it doesn't matter right now in this room, if you've been walking with Jesus your whole life, or if you're just checking this whole thing out, and some friend kind of bribed you with lunch afterwards to show up, or they're just that cute, and you're willing to go here to be with them, right? You got that going on? It doesn't matter if you're 12 or if you're 70. Every one of us knows what it's like when life has got us in a headlock, a guillotine, and you can't get out. That's a jujitsu move there. And you're stuck. You know, just paralyzed with fear, anxiety, trapped in fear that you know in your head. It's like, man, God, I know that you're bigger than this, but I just can't get out. Hooked by a temptation that is dragging you where you know you don't want to go, but you just want it too much and you can't get out and you're just stuck. The Psalms are going to help us find our strength in every one of these moments we could ever find ourselves in. It could be in our moments of joy and success and gratitude in the highs of life so that we don't allow these moments to make us conceited, but we're able to see the highs of life as a sign of God's gracious favor over you. Now that is so much bigger than just, you're awesome. Yeah, you're awesome, but an awesomer God has got you in his hands. When we're going through the dark night of the soul, the Psalms teach us how to open that dark, painful place to God so that we don't have to feel cut off from him, from the world, or more importantly, from ourselves. When we're going through grief, loss, and doubt, the, the, the Psalms give us language, the very words to speak to God when we're filled with anger, rage, boredom, lust, regret, you name it, it's here. There is nothing off limits, and the Psalms have a rawness to it, you know? It's just like people in their highest of highs, lowest of lows, in the most boring moments of their life, in all stages and seasons, helping us find the language to connect with God helping us find the key to open up our hearts to let God in. That's what the Psalms do. When Jesus was at his most desperate moment, I'll give you an example. He is at the lowest moment of his life, rejected by everybody, hanging on a cross, darkness is closing in, and not only is he rejected by his closest friends, but the presence of his father, which he has never known absence from in his entire eternal existence, for the first time in his eternal life, he is feeling the separation of his father. Now, maybe you can remember just a, a, a smidgen of that when you went to school for the first day and left your family at home, or when you went to college and moved away from your family. These moments where we feel separated from those things that give us anchor, that give us strength, that are a foundation for us. Jesus was separated from the Father, and in that dark hour of pain, listen to what he says on the cross, Eli, Eli, leba sabachthani. 
But did you know that Jesus wasn't making these words up? He was quoting Psalm 22.1. Because the Psalms give us the words to pray when we can't come up with the words ourselves and we don't have the courage to pray the things that we need to pray. When we don't know how our heads are spinning and we don't know how to find our bearing. Psalm 22.1 says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In fact, Jesus quoted the Psalms more than any other book because the book of Psalms was his school of prayer. And it's where we're going to learn spiritual jujitsu. It's where we're going to learn to pray no matter what's coming at us, to learn how to celebrate and be filled with gratitude when life is at its highs and learning how to cry out to God and trust him or confess things in our life when we're at our low moments. The Psalms are going to help us in every circumstance of our life, open our lives and allow God to enter in teaching us how to find the bridge in every moment to God's presence, to his voice, and to his strength. Could you use some of that? Yes, you can. So, let's talk about the Psalms for a minute. The Psalms, let me give you a quick overview of the Psalms, and then we'll look at Psalm 1 today, all right? How's that sound? Psalms are organized, having an internal structure of five books, Okay, and you can see that just by opening the Psalms, book one, book two, book three, you'll see it organized. Now, Psalm one and two, we're going to look at Psalm one today, stands outside of those five books of the Psalms as an introduction, as a way of introducing to us this school of prayer and how to make use of what we're about to read, which makes going into Psalm one today so important. It's going to train and teach us how to use the Psalms for what they are for. There are at least seven known authors to the book of Psalms. Most of us know who as one of the authors? David. We all know David, but only 73 of 150 Psalms are by David. Not even half. 73. Well, who wrote the other ones? Ah, guys like Asaph, and you got like the sons of Korah, a Levitical family. You've even got a Psalm by Moses in there. Look at that. Moses shows up. There are these moments in David's life that are specific, 14 psalms linked to a specific moment in David's life. So when you were in a cave hiding from your enemies, you know what psalm to go to. When you had to pretend to be insane to not be killed, when that happens, you know, when you, need, you have those moments, you got a psalm for that. But when you have your lowest moment and you've done what you thought you would never do and you betray your deepest convictions, yeah, even that, there's a psalm for that, Psalm 51, where David, after killing a man to take his wife is confessing his sin and finally unburdening a secret sin that he had been carrying for a year. Yeah, you got some of those? There's a psalm for that. Psalm for it all. But we're going to start with Psalm 1. Why don't we stand for the reading of God's word? Psalm 1 is the gateway to all the rest of the Psalms. And this Psalm is going to teach us how to make use of the Psalms so that they don't just entertain or make us feel good, but so that they reach down into the depths of your heart and transform you from the inside out and become a lifeline in your hardest moments and a beacon for us in our highest. Here we go. Blessed is the one. Actually, you know, I didn't do this before, but can we read it out together? Yeah, let's do that. I think they're meant for that. Let's do this. Ready? Here we go. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Pause. To soak that in. Blessed is the one who doesn't do this, but now 
who does do that? Verse 2. Let's read again. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night? That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. This is the word of the Lord. Go ahead and take a seat. All right, thanks for reading that with me. Here's the thing. The psalm opens with this word, blessed. The one who is blessed is the one who doesn't do this and is the one who does that. What don't they do? They don't walk and stand and sit in the council of the wicked. What that does not mean is you shouldn't have friends who are not believers. That is not what that's saying because Jesus had dinners all the time with prostitutes and tax collectors. Jesus was a friend of sinners, people far from God. What it is saying is do not meditate. Notice the progression, stand, all right, walking. Oh, interesting idea. I'm going to stand and think about that. And then the next step, sitting and really absorbing and allowing the world in its ways that are not of God to influence us. The ways we allow the ideas, the philosophies, the values of the world that is not centered around God to take influence over our minds and over our choices and over our desires. That's what he's talking about. Don't do that. It's not saying don't associate with people who don't know God. He's saying don't assimilate with them. Don't become like them. Let the truth of God be your anchor. And let the world see the distinction of our lives, not because of our greatness, but because of the goodness of God that is shining through us. And then he goes on, he says, okay, so don't do that, but do this. And that, we get to verse 2. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Now here's the point. And the whole message is on this idea of meditation. Learning to meditate on God's word and the powerful impact that learning to meditate is going to have on our life and the benefits for our life when we meditate. But the basic idea is this. Those who meditate grow in delight. Christianity is a promise of a changed heart. Do you know that? Christianity is not about to show up, sit, listen, agree, and leave. I mean, that's, that's this ritualistic, this is religion, and that's not what this is about. Christianity is about this amazing idea that at the deepest, innermost part of you, at the level of your deepest desires, you can be transformed and changed as a person that new desires can be planted in your heart. Where there's bitterness, forgiveness can grow. Where there is fear, peace can mature. Stuff like this. So here's the idea. Those who meditate in God's word grow in delight in God, his truth, and his ways. You gotta meditate to delight. That's what we're talking about. So here it is. The tree in verse 3, this tree that's rooted, planted, rooted, and fruitful, is the crown jewel of the psalm. 
It's this metaphor that is literally giving us a picture of what it means to meditate and the benefits of meditation in our life. And we're going to learn from this metaphor, this image of the tree, and we're going to, each point, the point about meditate and then the benefit of delighting and growing in delight, we're going to keep coming back to this key image of the tree as a way of meditating on it. So we're going to do that right now. We're going to talk about meditation and then the reward of meditation, the new desires, the delight that grows in our hearts. Let's start with this. Let's read this image or this verse. Again, verse 3. I'm going to read it out loud to you. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. Would you like that kind of promise over your life? Can you imagine seeing that grow in your life, knowing that in your future there's going to be fruitfulness, stability, and prosper? and God's going to prosper your life? Well, that's, let's unpack this. The, this imagery, there's two aspects of the tree I want to deal with. The, I, it's plantedness and it's fruitfulness. Okay, two things. The plantedness of the tree and its fruitfulness and what it teaches us about meditation. So plantedness, the imagery of plantedness speaks to us of the tree's stillness and its stability that meditation produces in our life. The fact of the matter is if you just meditate, apart from what you're meditating on, if you just Take time each day to quiet yourself, to still yourself. Take deep breaths. Secularists and scientists are going to gonna show you that there is emotional, psychological, and even physical benefits from doing that. That alone. Just like you get benefit from exercising. Just exercise, you're going to feel better, you're going to do better. If you just meditate you're going to have greater fortitude against anxious moments in your life. You're going to have lower blood pressure. And you're going to be more able to respond to moments rather than just reacting out of fear or frustration. But now, what we're doing here is we're supercharging it with the inspired Word of God. When you're meditating on God's Word, the supernatural power of God and His Spirit is energizing that inner strength in a way that the world is so thirsty for and that when you tap into it, it changes our li- your life and people will come to you to get more of it. The imagery of a planted tree is the, is the image. Think of a tree right now. Just when you look at a tree, it's grounded and planted. It's stable and it's firm. It's still. Right? You see the leaves rustling in the wind, but there's a stillness to the tree. And that's in opposition to the idea of chaff. If you look at verse 4. Chaff is that light, fluffy stuff that comes off the wheat. You know, when they're going to grind it, they just cut it off. It's like my son was saying, oh, it's like the ashes in the fireplace from burnt wood. That's exactly what it's like. It just kind of has no root. It has no stability. It's just floating. Meaning, right, it's our thoughts. It's our life blown by every emotion, circumstance, or opinion that other peoples have. It's the state of mind of someone who's being blown around by every new news headline, every new um, opinion that someone has about them, or every emotion that just pops up in their minds when they wake up in the morning. Can you relate to that? Can you relate to being kind of hooked by something and not wanting to, but it drags you along its path and you wish you could get out? Have you ever been there? Can you think of anything like that 
where it gets a hold of you, and you're like, oh, I don't want to be here, but it's got me hooked. I remember one time I was walking on a double date into a bowling alley one night in Chula Vista, and this car pulls right in front of us, and um, as the guys get out, the guys threaten me, and say, like, hey, I'm going to shoot you. Now, in that moment, fear just grabs my mind. It just grabbed my heart, and I'm just enveloped in it. It's just got me in a guillotine. Boom. It just got me, and I'm trapped. I'm stuck. Or when I was sitting there on campus, and the fear of what was going to happen on that final that was worth 60% of my grade had me in a guillotine. I was like a headlock kind of a move. I'm trapped. Can you relate to these moments? We're like chaff in these moments where our state of mind, our perspective is driven by the moment, by the emotions, by the opinions, by the by the air and the winds of the day, rather than grounded and anchored like a tree that is firmly set in its position. When you are meditating in God's word, it anchors you in God's perspective of who he is in that moment, because these moments, they want to loom large and tell us that they are bigger than God. They want to tell us that there is no God, that we are shut out from God, and that we are all alone, left to face with our challenges, our moments, all by ourselves. And that when we succeed, we've achieved those moments all by ourselves, because in the end, it is just you doing the best you can with what you have. That's what these moments want to do to us, and they just lay hold of us. Some of us get caught up in these moments, and we get driven down into like conceit and arrogance. Oh, I'm so amazing. Other personalities in this room are driven the other way. We get drawn into despair. I'm the worst. I'm terrible. Depends on who we are and where we're coming from. The point is, you're like chaff. You're just tossed around, but the tree is firm, grounded. And God's perspective of reality, the reality of your life, the reality of who you are. So that when failure or disappointment comes, that moment is not now telling you who you are, because who you are doesn't change on the moment. It is grounded in who God has made you through his blood of his son Jesus who died for you and made you a son and daughter. Being rooted in God's word anchors you in his reality and his truth of himself and you. Come on now. You're grounded in God's word and his perspective on reality. To meditate simply means to plant our mind on a passage, a phrase, or a word in scripture. To plant yourself on a passage, a phrase, or a word in scripture, let me give you an example. I had memorized Psalm 25 from that moment at UCSD. I memorized it because it had so much power. I couldn't be like, whoa, God, this is amazing. It was like I just put my finger in a light socket and it was just charging me with this strength and confidence. So I memorized it. Psalm 25, verse 3. Those who put their trust in the Lord will not be put to shame. So there I was much, much later, like I think at least two years later, and there I was walking into that bowling alley, and as those guys were squaring me off, and my friend had left to go find help, and I was there alone, what do I do? These five guys are right there. What do I do? What do we do in these moments? We take things into our own hands, and I think Michael and Gabriel, they're going to come to my defense, and I'm going to fight my way out of this. That's what I'm thinking I'm going to do. Either I'm going to run, or I'm going to fight. I'm surrounded. I'm going to fight. And I think that's my only option because 
That's what life is. Life throws these moments at us, and there is no option to, but to fight or fly. And yet, in that moment, this is what happened. That word that I had meditated on, that I had rooted and planted my mind on, Psalm 25.3, came back to me. If you trust me, I will not put you to shame. I'm like, no way, God, not here. This is too, okay, a test is one thing. <laughs> you know, not these guys who want to kill me. No way, God, this is too much. And God's like, is it any different for me? This is what God's asking me. Is it any different for me? This is all happening here while this guy's talking at me. And I said, okay, I'm not going to hit this guy. I'm not going to try to take things into my own hands. There's no way I would have beat these guys up. No way. It would have been like a, like a, just like, I don't know, let's just go for it. I'm done. Go out with a blaze of glory. But I did something different instead. I decided to trust the Lord and see what he would do. All right, God, we'll see what you do. And so I just put my fist down and I just started talking to the guys. Why do you even want to fight me anyways? I don't even know you. Can you imagine if you were on a blind date? I already feel embarrassed enough. And, and someone like this did this to you? How would you feel? And they were just like, what, dude? No, straight up. They were just like, they were ready for me to fight them, you know. And they're saying, no, I'm just like talking to them. And they're just like, oh, that's weird. And before things could escalate, my friend had gotten security. They came and they broke the whole thing up. But if I had taken things into my own hands, I would have been, I would, maybe I wouldn't be here right now. <laughs> I would love to tell you a story about how I was like, I don't know, I was John Wick. I was just like, I don't know, you know, man, I just fought my way out of that. I put those guys in their place, you know, I just like, boom, brought the Mission Impossible hammer or whatever action hero you're thinking. But it wasn't like that. I wasn't the hero. The Lord was the hero. This is not about passivity. This is about rooting ourselves in the truth of God so that we make decisions based on his reality versus these other things that want to tell us that they are the center of reality. Your teacher is the center of reality. Your boss is the center of reality. Your sickness is the center of reality. Your circumstance is the center of reality. Your good looks are the center of your reality. Your intelligence is the center of your reality. No, they are not. Something even more wonderful is the Lord. Planted firm. But it takes us slowing down and allowing the Word of God to go into the deeper places of our heart. To meditate means to let it dwell and linger, to ruminate. Pausing long enough, holding on to it and dwelling on it, not just analyzing or reading it to get through it, but holding on to it and letting it sink in. That's what I'm talking about. When you read something and you consider it, it's like chewing something good. But when you choose something and it's good, what's the next step? You gotta swallow that stuff so it can go into your body and you can completely take it all the way in and that's what God's word wants to do. God wants to teach, meditation is the way we take in his truth into the innermost parts of our being so that it fills us and grows new things in us, new desires, new perspective in our life. All right, actually, do I have time for this? I do, I do. I'm going to read this to you. Okay, listen. This quote, meditation. i got a quote here. Can we go to the quote? Yeah. Meditation engages us at the level of the heart. In its biblical sense, where memory, experience, 
thoughts, feelings, hopes, desires, intuitions, and intentions are joined. This is likely where we are, okay, this is likely where we are likely to discover what a given passage means in our lives personally or as a community. Now, you notice right here, he's, this author, her name, Marjorie J. Thompson, is talking about how meditation is allowing the passage to open us up like a key unlocking our memories, our experiences, our thoughts, our feelings, our hopes, our desires. So meditation is not unlocking the door to God. Meditation is unlocking our heart to let God in. It's allowing us to give, it's giving us words to access these parts of our lives that without us even realizing we are closing off to God, which is why the Psalms carry every emotion in the book. The emotions are the signal, are the lights on the dashboard of your soul. They're not the deepest truth of who you are, your emotions, but they're letting you know and getting your attention about something that's beneath the surface of your life to go to the deeper thing, the disappointment, the pride, the lust, the anger, the resentment, that stuff that God wants to get into, the fear, the worries that we have, God wants to get into that. Meditation is like a key that opens your heart to God. You see, God's wide open to us. And on the cross, Jesus died to show us that there's nothing between us and God on his side. It's you that is locked up to God. And the Psalms open these moments in our life where we would otherwise be shut out from God. God, I'm on my own. It's Gabriel and Michael and me. And God's like, no, 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 you're not alone. I'm with you. Will you let me in? You see, the word opens you. And sitting with the word and letting it linger, Ryan, where do you feel the temptation to be ashamed right now? Trust in the Lord. Those who trust in the Lord will not be put to shame. Ryan, where are you afraid of shame right now? Where are you feeling shame? Oh, Lord, right here. And it opens those dark places in us. Sometimes it opens the happy places, the hungry places of our hearts and lets God in. There we go. Okay, let's go on to the delight. When we're letting God deep into our hearts, this is what happens to you. You ready? Verse 3. Let's read it out loud. Here we go. Verse 3. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose life does not wither, but whatever they do prospers. The one who meditates on God's word, this is what your life is going to begin to look like. It's going to bring an inner stability and a stillness. Your mind is going to be frenetically chasing every thought and emotion. It's going to ground you so you're not living your life in con controlled by your emotions, but your emotions are going to help open you to God so that his truth, his perspective can be the controlling influence of your life. The next thing is when you've opened yourself like that to God, is he begins to change you at the heart level. He begins to grow in you desires you've never had. Psalm 1 begins with the idea of being blessed. And this picture of the tree is a picture of someone's life who is filled with God's word. Because God's word is like a seed. When you plant the word of God in your heart like that, it starts to grow new things in you. 
Is there an area of your life where you could use some new desires? Is there an area of your life where you could use a new response to an old problem? The way you react right now, fear every time. Boom, boom. Anger, frustration, lust every time. You just go there, it's just hardwired into you, and you want a new response? Would you like to grow new attitudes, responses, and desires in your heart? That's what the scriptures do when you sow them deep through meditation. Listen to Galatians 5.22. This imagery of a fruitful tree takes us to the New Testament, where Paul says, what kind of fruit? Listen to this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When you allow the Word of God to go deep into you, new desires, new perspectives, because Christianity is not just about doing the right thing because it's the right thing. It's about new desires growing in you that make you want to do the right thing. It's not enough to do the right thing because it's the right thing. Christianity wants to give you new desires so you do the right thing because you want the right thing. You forgive because you want what's good for your enemy. You with self, you use self-control because that purity of heart, you desire purity in your life. You are actually wanting the things that God wants. I mean, that is an amazing idea. This idea of delight that results when the Word of God is sown into your heart is the promise of a new heart, new desires, where your desires become God's desires because what you devote yourself to shapes what your desires will become. What you give attention to forms what you're attracted to. So what you do with your eyes, it does matter because where you set your eyes, I remember when I was first married, I had to learn that. I was used to just checking out the ladies. Hey, who's an option out there? But when you get married, you're like, oh, I got to stop that. I I got a lady. There's no more options for me. But what I realized was the more I allowed my eyes to wander, the more I gave my attention to other women, I was giving my attraction to other women as well. And I was comparing this beautiful woman that God put in my life to all these other women. How can one woman compare to a thousand women? They cannot. As my pastor and mentor once warned me, the, the women on the cover of the magazines, Ryan, they never grow older, and there's always a new one, and it's every flavor you could ever want. I know that's crude, but that's the voice of lust that deceives us into thinking, I've got to have that, 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 that. What you give your attention to forms and shapes your desires and your attractions. And when you're meditating on the Word of God and letting it grow, new desires will grow in us. What would you love for God to grow in you? For me, it was confidence in the face of uncertainty. And so when I was facing that test, facing those bullies, the word of God, trust me, Ryan, and you will not be put to shame. It strengthened me, and it grew in me a perspective that I couldn't have had on my own. Where could you use some of that? I'm going to invite the band to come on out. As the band comes out, I just want to say something about meditating. Meditating, a couple things about how to meditate. Number one, memorize. Just memorizing little bits of scripture is a way of taking it, holding it, and carrying it with you and letting it grow in your life. 
The scriptures that you memorize are the ones that you can just bring to mind at moments where you don't have a Bible open in front of you. And when you do that, when you memorize something and bring it to mind, it starts to influence your thinking and literally starts to create new synaptic pathways in your brain. Right now, your brain synapse might be full and hardwired with synapses about cars and engines or about planes or about jujitsu. Fine. But you can actually create neurological real estate for God's truth so that in those moments, it becomes natural and it just flows out of you to trust God in moments where otherwise you would have been afraid. My family and I just memorized Psalm 23. And for the last seven years, we just committed ourselves to memorizing one psalm in the Bible. One psalm. So this is not about going far and spreading yourself out thin. It's picking a few things and going deep with it. And so this last year, my son was getting ready to go to college. And I just said, hey, son, how about me and you pray in the morning together? And we just meditate on God's word together. So every morning, we get up, we sit down, go outside. And it goes something like this. Sometimes he starts, sometimes I start. And I say, the Lord is my shepherd. And he says, I have all that I need. And I say, he makes me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. And we just go through the whole psalm. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you're close beside me. And we just go back and forth. And then I go, hey, son, what's one of those verses that speaks to you right now? And he goes, okay, this one right here. I will guide you along right paths. And we just start praying. God, guide me to which college I should go to. I don't know where to go, God. Guide me with which roommate to choose for the next year in college. God, thank you that you guide me. Thank you that in everything, you will guide me and show me what to do. As you go into this song, what new desires or perspective does God want to grow in your life? My daughter was um, up in her room, upset, throwing tantrum. She's about eight years old. She was just caught in the grip of something that she had to have her way, I don't know. And she was upstairs, upset. Uh, I just shouted from downstairs. I just shouted up at her, the Lord is my shepherd. <laughs> All of a sudden, I hear this silence. And I hear this, I have all that I need. I want to encourage you. It's not enough just to hear the word of God. It's not enough just to agree with it or believe it. It's about allowing it to go deep into our hearts. We've got to slow down. We're in such a rush. But it's about allowing it to sink deep in. And when you do, when you let it get in there, new desires, new perspectives, a new heart is going to grow. It's going to happen. Peaceful thoughts where there's anxious thoughts can grow in your heart. Forgiving thoughts where there is resentful thoughts can grow. Confidence 
where we've been intimidated. Before we leave, we've still got a few minutes. I want to try one thing here. I want to just practice this meditation. So you want to try this with me? Okay. This verse we've been repeating over and over. Notice I've been reading it again and again. Like a tree planted by streams of water. Let's read it out loud. Verse 3. We're going to meditate on this verse for a minute and allow God to speak into our hearts. Let's read it out loud together. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. When these things are memorized, it's amazing the life they can take on in our minds and the way the Holy Spirit can use it the more practiced you are in anything, the more natural it is. It's like you practice those moves of jujitsu. Next thing you know, someone comes at you, you just do it naturally. It's because it's what you're, you're hard, you're, it's in you. When we memorize these things and we're faced with moments, the Holy Spirit can use them to speak to us in ways that will blow your mind. It's not enough to just know it, to understand it. Meditation is about allowing it to be an open door through which God speaks to you deep in your innermost heart. And I'll tell you, hearing from God is worth a thousand from anybody else. So this is what I want you to do. I want to invite you just to do one thing this weekend. It's memorize this verse and play a little game with it because the Psalms are going to want to provoke your imagination. And this Psalm wants you to see it, to picture it. This is your life. This is what God wants for your life. And God himself is saying this to you. So imagine this. Imagine just hearing it as though God were speaking to you. Ryan, you are like a tree. Juan, you are like a tree planted by streams of water. Jennifer, you are like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever you do, Rick, you're going to prosper. So I want to invite you to do that. I want you just to imagine the Lord saying this to your heart right now. Okay? I want you to put your name for that person. You ready? Here we go. I want you to start with just your name, and then we'll read. Go ahead. Say your name. Say out your name out loud. Come on. Yeah. And let's say it together. It's like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Who? Now say your name. Whatever you do prospers. Now just close your eyes for a moment and we'll be done. You are like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and his life and his leaf does not wither whatever you do it's going to prosper Camille you're going to prosper Joe you're going to prosper Lord send us out here today with your word in our hearts, your voice ringing in our ears. Teach us to meditate, to slow down, to take your word in deep,
to let it form us and shape us and grow a new perspective, a new heart, new desires in us that we never thought we could have on our own. In Jesus' name, amen. Four minutes early.